It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do our best to connect the dots, <clears throat> excuse me, between our emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual aspects of who we are as human beings. And, um, you know, I've, I've said on every show, because this has been such a long pandemic we've had, um, that um, the thing that has come forefront, I hope for everybody, is that a vaccine is not the total answer. You know, it may work to a point, but we know that there's breakthrough cases on a regular basis now. And so I just keep encouraging everyone, even if you have had your vaccine, please know these two numbers. And you can have your physician give them to you. Um, they have to write a script. I believe a nurse practitioner can do this as well, but it is a prescription for a lab called a D as in dog three test and a C-reactive protein test. Those two numbers are critical for you to know if you're gonna stay healthy. So the D3, you do want that number to be above 70. Don't let them tell you that you're in the healthy range. That range goes from 35 to 100. And if you're on the low end of the range and you have been vaccinated or not, when you do get uh, a breakthrough case or you know an original case, you're not going to have the ability to do very well if you don't have your immune system up there. Mine is a seven, no, excuse me, mine's an 82, but you want the number to be above 70. Um, the other one, the C-reactive protein test, that is your level of inflammation and every disease begins with inflammation in the body. And you want that number to be below a one. And again, I will tell you mine is a 0.3. So um, I just send people to my website, www.synergyconnectionradio.com. And on the landing page, there is um, Boomers Forever Young, and it, it's a link. You can click on it. You can subscribe to their free uh, health newsletter. But if you go into their website, they have thousands of testimonies. Maybe one of the testimonies is a condition that you're currently uh, needing to have addressed. So you could look at their testimonies, you can look at their blogs, you can look at their podcast, you can look at their videos, they have a wealth of information. And I believe that their products have probably kept me super healthy over these last two years. Um, no breakthrough cases, no COVID, no nothing. And so I'm feeling very, very blessed. Um, so go check it out. And if you decide to order anything, use my first name, L-U-C-Y, and the discount code and you will get $5 off. It will help with shipping unless you put it on a subscription and the subscriptions are free. And with that being said, I have as a returning guest, a very fun person who uh, is going to talk to us about dreams and dream symbolism. And her name is Laurel Clark. She's a certified dreamologist. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a dreamologist until I met Laurel. Uh, she's the author of the book, intuitive dreaming, and she's a contributing author to seven other books on dreams. And so today we're going to talk about, I guess we'll start with dream symbolism, um, but we've got several things that we want to touch on to help people understand that when you go to bed at night, 
your brain is still active. And I think it's probably resolving or trying to resolve some things that are going on in your walking daily breathing life. But in a dream state, it takes on symbolism. Is that a pretty good understanding of what happens or am I off base here? Um, it's a good description. How I would describe it is that as we go through our day, we have experiences. Sometimes people are aware of how they have had a part in making those things happen. Sometimes people look at life as happening to them. I think it's actually a combination that we set things into motion, but it doesn't mean that we are able to control every aspect of what happens, especially when it involves other people, because we all have free will. Right. And ultimately, I look at everything that we experience being like a schoolroom, that our life is a way for us to learn to express ourselves, to develop ourselves, to learn lessons, to change. And sometimes the situations that seem challenging or difficult are the ones that provide the greatest learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. But according to how self-aware we are, how much we practice things like concentration and meditation, Sometimes we can be pretty aware of what the lessons are. Sometimes we can be completely oblivious to those. And what our dreams offer is feedback on what is the potential learning here? Um, how am I doing in my life lessons? Sometimes they might be kind of a pat on the back that's saying, Yes, you're getting the lesson. Sometimes they might be saying, okay, here you go again, doing the same old thing. And um, many people have not learned to value dreams. So, and I think some of this is a function of what they've seen in Hollywood or read in novels that have misconceptions that they think of the dreams as just being a replay of their waking events which they're not, or sometimes they think, oh, it's because I ate pizza last night, or it's because I, um, you know, watched this movie too late at night. Those things have an influence, but that is not the meaning of the dream. So the meaning of the dream is what our subconscious mind or inner self is reflecting to us in terms of saying, okay, here you are going through this physical world, but you are not a physical body. You have a physical body, but you're not a physical body, which is why you're still alive, even though your physical body isn't up and walking around when you're asleep. And here are the lessons that you're dealing with. Um, so then, as you said in the beginning, learning how to interpret that message is how we're able to understand what the dream is presenting to us. So um, what about the person? Cause I hear people say this all the time. I don't dream or I never remember my dreams. What do you say to somebody like that? Well, first of all, everybody does dream. Many people don't remember dreams for a lot of reasons. One is we've been taught that dreams don't mean anything. 
you know, many of us, when we were kids, maybe we had a nightmare, we ran into our parents and well-meaning, trying to comfort us, the parents said, don't worry about it, dear. It was just a dream. It didn't mean anything. Or people say things like, oh, that wasn't real. It was just a dream. Even though it might not have happened in physical waking reality, it was still a real experience. That's why you can be afraid in a dream and you wake up and your heart is pounding. Mm-hmm. So the, they measure dreams, don't they? Like when they're doing uh, sleep studies, they can tell if you're dreaming. Um, yes, depending upon the kind of sleep study, it can measure the brain waves. What um, the reason why many people don't remember dreams is simply they think that they're not meaningful or important. And with so many things that require our attention, why should someone pay attention to something that's not meaningful? Sometimes people don't remember dreams because they don't have good quality sleep. And if we wake up sleep deprived, oftentimes it's hard to remember dreams, especially if somebody is interrupted in the middle of a dream by an alarm clock that Mm. can, you know, kind of cause it to fly out the window. Um, So, uh, and sometimes people don't remember dreams because when they wake up in the morning, instead of lying in bed and spending a little bit of time giving attention to what just happened, they jump out of bed and immediately start thinking about what they have to do first thing in the morning. So learning how to remember dreams is something that people can learn and it just takes a little bit of practice, but with desire and a little bit of practice, it's not too difficult to begin to remember dreams. And you were talking at the beginning of the show about nutritional supplements. Sometimes people's dream recall can be improved with nutrition uh, like vitamin B6 and zinc can help a lot with dream recall. What's the reason, I I wanted to interrupt just for a second. What is the reason that B6 and zinc can help you recall? That's interesting. I'm not a a doctor or a brain scientist, so I don't know exactly what it does with the brain. I know that all of the B vitamins affect the brain functioning. um, And I'm not sure what the relationship is of zinc to the parts of the brain that have to do with dream recall. Huh. And yet right now, those are the, you know, some of the very vitamins we need to stay healthy all the time. Right. Right. But the zinc in particular, uh, I know that if you have an imbalance of zinc, it can cause all kinds of problems too. Yeah. It's one of those trace minerals. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and by the same token, there are some things that people take sometimes like sleep aids that can interfere with dream recall. Um, I've heard of people who use Benadryl to go to sleep and either they don't remember their dreams or they have really chaotic dreams. Um, I don't know about the prescription sleeping medications. Um, I've never taken those, but I know some people who have and, um, weren't able to remember dreams. And then when they got off of those, then their dream recall resumed. I have another question for you because, um, you know, every state now pretty much has either medical marijuana 
or uh, medical C, you know, CBD. And um, a lot of people are using, they kind of, I think they call them jellies or um, gummies or something like that, but they do have CBD in them. Not a, a dose that would get you high. It doesn't have like a lot of THC, but they use them for sleep. And do you think that that, because it's more natural, do you think that is maybe, um, you know, a good way to get quality sleep, but maybe to go more into a dream state? I think it probably depends on the individual. Um, I use CBD oil sometimes, um, not the kind with THC, just the CBD oil and find that that helps me to relax and uh, fall asleep more easily if I'm having a hard time falling asleep. Since I already was paying attention to my dreams, I haven't noticed that much of a difference. Hmm. But I do know that the state of mind someone has when they go to sleep can definitely affect their dreams. So if somebody's lying awake in bed, anxious and worried about not being able to fall asleep, that probably is going to influence their dreams in a way that they either don't remember them or they might remember dreams that also have high anxiety. So if they can be in a more relaxed state when they go to sleep, especially if they're looking forward to sleep and dreams, they're more likely to ha have a dream that's um, easier to remember and uh, maybe more meaningful. What about, um, I, I'm thinking of my own personal dreams, but sometimes I dream that I'm connected with somebody from my past uh, or, you know, I, I have had a past life reading done and, you know, that was kind of what I was told was that sometimes your past lives can come through. How do you feel about that? So the way that I understand the subconscious mind, which is where we go when we sleep and uh -huh. where the dreams come from, is that it does have access to other people who we know currently. It has access to people who have died. It can access past lives. I do also believe that at one level, all dreams can be interpreted symbolically. So when I have other people in a dream, I always interpret them as aspects of myself at one level, but sometimes they are also indicative of the relationship with those actual people in our lives, whether it's people we know currently or people we knew previously, um, whether they're still alive or not. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think didn't wasn't it Carl Jung that did all of the symbology with with dreams too? Well, a number of people have Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell. I mean, one thing that's very interesting about the dream community and what I mean by that are experts around the world and people who are everyday people, not experts. There are many different theories and beliefs about dreams and symbolism. It's not like there's one answer. And an organization I've been involved with for over 10 years now called the International Association for the Study of Dreams, one of their eth ethical guidelines is that 
nobody can tell another person what their dream means. They can give reflections. They can say, well, if it were my dream, this is how I would work with it. But I couldn't say to you definitively, this is what your dream is telling you. I mm-hmm. could give you reflections. So in terms of the symbolism, there are what are considered universal symbols or archetypes that uh, Carl Jung did describe. I don't think he, I would say he made them up, but he described them. Uh, Joseph Campbell also wrote about that. Um, And there are symbols that show up not only in dreams, but in mythology, fairy tales, scripture. Um, If you look at stories from so-called different religions, there are many stories that are actually the same story, just, you know, set in the culture that goes along with that scripture. The same thing is true of myths. So those universal symbols or archetypes can show up in our dreams. And then we also have personal symbols that can show up in our dreams. So that's part of the fun to me about exploring dreams and hearing how other people work with dreams is being able to see it from different perspectives. What are some of the uh, symbols, you know, that you were saying that they show up sometimes in mythology and they're similar, you know, based upon maybe the background of the, um, uh, you know, the heritage, you know, of the person or something like that. So what are some of the symbols that you've seen over and over again? So people, for example, on a symbolic level, people symbolize aspects of ourselves. So if anyone had a dream about a wise person, it might be a grandparent, it might be a king or a queen, it might be a head of a country. Um, Symbolically, that person represents the wise part of ourselves, a super conscious element. Hmm. And um, I mean, not everybody in their waking life has a personal relationship with a grandparent, but many people who do, that's kind of what their relationship with their grandparent is like, you know, well, my grandmother always told me some wise statement about life. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's that part of ourselves that carries wisdom that may or may not be known to the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another symbol is a vehicle and a vehicle could be a car, which is what people drive in this culture. If it was a different culture where people used a rickshaw, it could be that. Um, it could be uh, a small boat, you know, not like a cruise boat, but a uh, private boat. So the vehicle is a symbol for the physical body. And the reason for that is if you think of the self as being a soul, a spirit, um, we have this physical body, but we are not the physical body. The body is like a vehicle that we use to get through our life experiences. And when we go to sleep at night, we actually leave this body, it's called an out of body experience. So if I have a dream, let's say that I have a flat tire, looking at my car as being a symbol for my body, I would interpret that as a health dream. And 
I probably also would look at the tires in my car before I got on the road to drive just <laughs> in case it was not purely symbolic. Right. But I actually have never had a car dream that turned out to be about my actual waking life car. It always was about the physical body. So I would look to see if I had a dream about a flat tire or a dream I was running out of gas, what am I doing in my waking life that has either already caused health problems or in many cases it hasn't shown up yet, but I might be on the verge of getting sick or I'm getting exhausted, which is <clears throat> how I would interpret the running out of gas. Mm-hmm. You know, people even speak metaphorically and they say, oh God, I you know, ran out of gas today, meaning I was tired. Right. So um, that's another symbol. Food is a pretty universal symbol. It often shows up in dreams. And how I would look at food symbolically is knowledge. And we even have a, a saying in the English language that's food for thought. So if I'm dreaming about being at a cafeteria or a buffet and there's all of these choices of food and I can't decide what to eat, I would look to see in my waking life how maybe I'm getting kind of overwhelmed by all of the different opportunities I have for knowledge and maybe not knowing which to choose. Should I take this class? Should I uh, listen to this podcast? Should I read this book? That's, That's how I would interpret it symbolically. That is really quite fascinating that, I mean, you know, people, vehicles, food, and and it makes sense, you know, that food is how we nourish ourselves, but it's how our spirit learns too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's really very, very cool. Um, When you talk about, you and I had talked before the show actually started about can dreams tell your future? How, how does that work? you know, where maybe you have the same dream repetitively, because I've heard of people who do that. And, you know, they'll go to bed and they'll pick up where they left off almost and continue with the dream. How does that work with our future? So just like our subconscious mind can connect us with the past, it also has the ability to perceive lines of probability. And I say lines of probability because we do have free will, we have the freedom of choice. So I don't look at our future as being predestined, but there are probabilities. So just like when you get in your car and you point it in a certain direction, the probability is you're going to get to the end of the street. But something could change that. Someone could come out of nowhere and sideswipe you and so your car stops. Or maybe um, at the last minute you realize you forgot something and so you turn around and go back home before you get to the end of the street. But if things proceed the way that you intended when you got in your car, the probability is you're going to get to the end of the street. So that's what our dreams can foresee And sometimes the dreams can be pretty benign, like, you know, what someone is wearing at work the next day. Sometimes they might be what people sometimes call a big dream, like 
the lines of probability that someone we know um, dies, or it might be probability of uh, being offered a job. So I believe that the reason why people have dreams like that is to help prepare them for those events. And particularly the ones that feel difficult or sad or scary, even though you might say, well, how would that prepare me? Sometimes just having the awareness that something like that might happen can prepare us so that it's not quite as shocking. Or in some cases, I know people who have made some changes that they've actually changed the event and didn't experience what could have been uh, a disaster. Um, I know somebody who I met through the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And when she was very young, she had a dream that, it, well, first of all, she had just bought a new car, her first car. I think she was in her 20s. And she had a dream that she was driving this car down the street and she uh, went to brake and her foot went all the way to the floor, the brakes failed and she crashed. Wow. And when she woke up, she thought, well, that's ridiculous. This is a brand new car, that's not gonna happen. But then not too long after that, she was driving down the street, she put her foot to the brake pedal and it went to the floor and all of a sudden she flashed on that dream and the surroundings in the dream in the, her waking life were just like the dream. So she was quick thinking enough to turn the steering wheel and she went into a, a chain link fence that was to her right. So the car's fender got a little banged up but she was not hurt. And had she not had that dream or had she not remembered it, it's very likely that she would have crashed into the car in front of her so, you know, sometimes people hear that and they say, well, that wasn't precognitive then because it didn't happen like she dreamed, but it didn't happen like she dreamed because she did something different in her waking state. Right. So, so you can alter the future um, by having that cognition, you know, if the dream has been there and it's, you know, a similar situation, you know, maybe it was a warning. Yeah, so, sometimes we can. And I, the reason I'm saying that is that I don't want anybody to think or feel that it is their responsibility, especially if they have a dream that involves somebody else, um, you know, where I should have known and I should have saved that person's life. Not necessarily because it involved the other person. It wasn't just you. Right. So, um, I think it's always a preparation and being aware that we can make changes is valuable. And I mean, sometimes they're not life or death situations. I had a dream some years back that um, I used to be president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And they have an annual conference in person at least it used to be in person. Hopefully it will be again this year. And at the annual conference, the outgoing president gives a speech to a big meeting and the incoming president gives a speech. So I had a dream um, 
the year that I was being initiated as president. And this was maybe three or four weeks before the conference. And in the dream, I was sitting in this auditorium and the person before me who was the outgoing president was just finishing up her speech. And I realized in the dream that I had forgotten my notes and I panicked and I didn't know if I had enough time to run back to my hotel room and get my notes or if I knew the speech well enough that I could just wing it without the notes. So when I woke up, I was kind of afraid that that was gonna happen. And fortunately I communicated with someone I know who also is part of this organization. And I told her that, you know, it's probably just anxiety about being in this new position. And she said, well, sometimes we have dreams so that we can do something different. And that was all she said. She wasn't really giving me advice. And I thought, okay, this is what I can do differently. I will still plan my speech. I'll still have notes, but I'm going to rehearse it enough that if for some reason I don't have my notes, I can give it without having to have the notes. And I'm going to make three copies of my notes and put them in three different places. So what ended up happening, the conference was in Europe and the paper that they use in Europe is a different size than the paper we use here. So um, I would not have been able to print out another copy of my notes there because it was formatted for my American eight and a half by 11 paper, not, I forget what they call it, A2. So anyway, I made three copies of the notes. I put them in three different places. The morning that I was getting ready to give the speech, I was rehearsing it and I knocked my coffee over onto the paper. And of course the ink bled, but fortunately I had another copy. So I didn't have to depend on those. And I, I had two other copies. I put them in two different places so that I actually ended up with both copies when I went to give the speech. And because I had rehearsed it, I really didn't need the notes anyway. So my opinion about why I had that dream was I needed to actually be more prepared than I was. Uh -huh. And as I rehearsed it, I was much more secure and at peace and confident so, you know, had I ignored the dream, had I not told my friend about it, if that had happened, I probably could have winged the speech, but it would not have been as good. And I would have not felt very good about it afterwards. So I appreciate that I had that dream and that I used it to do something different. Mm. So in your case, I guess it would say that you could foresee, like in telling the future, what, what could have happened. And you prevented that from happening because you became much more prepared. And in the other case, the gal that had the brakes that didn't work, she was at least aware enough that something like that might happen. I mean, she didn't think it would because it was a new car but she knew what to do when she put her foot down and it went to the floor. It was like in a split second, instead of hitting somebody, she swerved and went into the chain link fence. So in both cases, I mean, there was positive outcomes 
from um, a dream that might have foretold the future. Yes. So I, I would say in both cases, it was a dream about what could have happened. And the reason why something different happened is that the dreamer remembered the dream, paid attention to it, mm-hmm. and then responded to it differently in waking life. And I right. think all of our dreams give us the possibility of doing that. So I think a lot of having our dreams be a source of guidance comes from developing a relationship with them, not just remembering the dream and saying, oh, I had a dream last night, but remembering the dream, understanding it to whatever extent we can, you know, working with dreams ourselves, getting help from someone else. That's what it means to be a dreamologist is helping other people with guidance with their dreams. And then making some conscious action in our waking state to respond to it instead of just saying, oh, well, that's nice. Or, oh, well, that's too bad. Mm. What am I going to do about it? How am I going to respond to it? Right. How many dreams do people typically have in any given night? I I really don't know. Um, I mean, there are people who study the brain, but, the brain activity doesn't necessarily tell us how many dreams that person is having or remembering. So people who record their dreams, um, you know, sometimes people will remember one dream. Sometimes they'll remember three or four. Sometimes they remember kind of an ongoing storyline and they can't really tell if it was one dream or if it was several dreams. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of just depends on the person. Yeah. Um, do you keep a journal by your bed so you can jot down keywords and then go back to sleep? <laughs> I do. Sometimes I wake up enough to write the whole dream down. So I, I've been keeping dream journals for decades since 1976. Have your dreams changed significantly over the time? Um, they, in the early days of writing dreams down, I used to have nightmares and I probably had other dreams that weren't nightmares, but I think because those were the most dramatic, those might've been the ones that I remembered more than the other ones. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty rare now that I have a nightmare. I mean, I can't even remember the last time that I have had one. And a lot of that is because I do a lot of self-development work. Um, So I would say in terms of the state of the dreams, that's probably changed. I mean, the content always changes. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that, you know, since you did this for decades, that your life has changed significantly over this period of time. And that, you know, the evolution of your dreams probably stays with wherever you are in your own development, I would think. Huh. Well, one of the questions that I wanted to get to for sure has to do with how do you, like when you get ready to go to bed, if you want your dreams to provide Um, I don't know, like an answer for you, or you want to work through something in in your dream state, how do you make that happen? What do you do so that when you go to bed, 
that's your classroom, more or less. You go to sleep and there you go. <laughs> well, ideally, um, one thing is to allow a certain amount of winding down time before going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I can't say I always follow this advice, but when I do, it makes a big difference in terms of remembering more dreams in greater depth. And that is to stay away from technology for at least an hour, preferably two hours before sleep. So no computer, no cell phone, no TV, to do something that's quiet and reflective, like meditating, writing in a journal, uh, reflecting on the day. Sometimes what I will do is write in a journal before going to sleep, kind of a stream of consciousness writing, something that's on my mind. It could be a creative project I'm working on. It could be a problem I'm trying to resolve, especially if there are things that are bothering me. It's helpful to write those out instead of kind of carrying them as a a weight. And then to ask a question, not a black and white question like, should I do this or should I do that? But more of an open-ended question like, what is this situation here to teach me? Or what can I understand from this relationship? Or show me how to be my best self in such and such situation, something like that. And the reason that it's important to be open-ended is that If we say, uh, well, for one thing, it's the function of the conscious mind to make decisions. And so that's why asking a a dream, a question like, should I do this or that, is probably not going to give us an answer. Sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, the dream gives us a perspective that's different from how our conscious mind is looking at it. So we don't want to project conscious ideas onto the dream itself. So for example, um, some years ago, I was involved with a group of people, all teachers of self-development, and we were at a weekend teachers meeting. So we all incubated, which means setting up the conditions uh, for a dream. We all incubated the question, how can I better fulfill my soul's purpose. Now that's a little bit different question from saying, what is my purpose? Because saying what is my purpose implies that there's one thing that's given. How can I better fulfill my purpose is saying, what can I do? I'm already doing it at least to some extent. How can I do it better? Hmm. And So what I did was I asked that question and then I did a stream of consciousness writing and then I drew a picture and the dream was really interesting. It wasn't a long story dream. It was an image of being in an outdoor amphitheater and it reminded me of Red Rocks, which is an amphitheater in Colorado. It's Mm -hmm. Golden, Colorado. It's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, it is beautiful. And 
what was interesting to me about that is that I was born in Denver, but didn't grow up there. My family moved when I was two to New York. So that's where I grew up. And then I moved back to Colorado in the mid 1980s and was teaching there. And I did go to Red Rocks on a couple of occasions. And the first time that I was there, we were there very early in the morning. It was for a sunrise Easter service. And uh, we were there before anybody else. So I walked down on the stage and looked up at the bleachers, which are carved out of the rocks. And I remember at the time envisioning what it would be like to speak from that uh, stage. So anyway, in the dream, the dream didn't specifically say that it was Red Rocks, but that's what it reminded me of, this outdoor amphitheater carved out of stone. And uh, the dream was simply, um, I'm giving a lecture on love and I realize I've done this many times before. And that was it. So part of what was profound to me about it is the fact that I didn't have this dream in the 80s when I was living in Colorado. I had it probably in, I don't know, 2012 maybe, and maybe even later. Um, But the fact that it was in Colorado seemed to me that it was telling me something about the purpose that was part of my soul's incarnation since it was the place where I was born. Mm -hmm. And um, that message about teaching about love, and I've done this many times before, to me was that that's something that's been a part of my life, which is true. So that was how I asked that dream. And then how I responded to it was looking for ways that I could do that more completely, better, um, you know, whether it was through writing, speaking, teaching in my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. So that how to call upon a specific dream is from allowing some time and space before bed to wind down and be reflective. And then ideally to write the question down and to do some stream of consciousness writing. And if somebody wants to do a drawing that can be helpful also, and then make sure to have that notebook there by the bed so that you can record whatever you remember. Some people like to use a voice recorder. I find I have to wake up too much to speak into the recorder. <laughs> I, I and, would too. I wouldn't um, be able to find the right buttons in the middle of the yeah. <laughs> Some people like to do that. One thing that I do is um, I, I try to stay as close to the dream state as I can when I wake up. So sometimes I'll even write the dream down with my eyes closed. And I use my other hand, um, hopefully, so I'm not writing on top of what I've written, although once in a while, I haven't done that very effectively. And unfortunately, I can't read it then because I've written on top of my words. But um, the more that we can stay in that kind of half asleep, half awake state when we Mm -hmm. wake up, the better we'll be able to recall the dream and to record it. Mm. I wonder if sometimes you have to do that same exercise maybe a couple of times before you get, you know, a clear message. Like maybe you're still a little confused as to what you dreamed or what the, 
uh, message was, the symbolism was. Um, do you know whether it all comes in one or maybe it's a series of questions to fine tune it? I think it depends. I think the more that um, people practice learning how to ask the right question, the better able they are to receive the message clearly. I do think that um, sometimes the dream can be ambiguous. And so that might be a time to get some help from someone who can help uh, the person work with the dream or to ask another dream. I wouldn't keep asking exactly the same question, but I might ask a question like, um, you know, please give me a dream to clarify the dream I had about being in Colorado. And then I would probably read the previous dream before I went to sleep with an intention in mind to get some further clarification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would think that might be helpful, especially for beginners, mm -hmm. because the, the beginning exercise of trying to gain clarity you know, probably isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. And so if you uh, have answers, but it's still puzzling, for lack of a better word, you know, then maybe doing the exercise again, possibly in a week, and then trying the, the journaling and, you know, being quiet and asking the question mm -hmm. um, again, but, you know, maybe with just a further clarification in your question too. Yes. So, mm -hmm. All super, super, super interesting. Um, if somebody wanted to work with you, do you, uh, do you do Zoom like classes or anything like that? Because, you know, somebody might be in New York, somebody might be in California. So do you offer those kind of classes? I do. I actually did a class last night that had people from four different states who attended. So um, I do Zoom classes. I also do individual dream work. So if someone had a particular dream they wanted um, a private consultation with, I can do that by Zoom. I can also do it by phone. Okay, super. I think everybody is curious about their dreams at some point in their life. And um, I, you know, so I would certainly want them to reach out to you for assistance if, if that was possible. Uh, let, let everybody know where to find you, please. It'll also be on the podcast um, synopsis. So, you know, if they're looking at that, the links and stuff will be there. But for people who are listening at the moment and want to write it down, where can they go to find you? The easiest way to contact me is by email. So it's laurel at laurelclark.com. And that's L-A-U-R-E-L-C-L-A-R-K. So the email is laurel at laurelclark.com. Okay. That will be uh, important, uh, I think, in somebody's future here so they can reach out and understand maybe what they've been dreaming and have you help them interpret it. Well, thank you very much for being on the show again. And uh, stay warm. I know we talked at the beginning that uh, I think your high, you said, was going to be around 18 today. Yes. <laughs> a, a balmy 18. Degrees. A balmy 18. But with sun. 
Yes. Yes. That makes it a little easier to handle. I think I remember when I lived in Wisconsin on sunny days, it was much easier to handle the cold than if it was gray. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you for your great questions. Oh, you're, you're welcome. And thanks for your wonderful answers. (laughs) So hopefully it uh, sheds some light on our dreams and how we can interpret our dreams. So have a beautiful uh, rest of your winter and spring, and we'll see you back on the show in early June. And uh, thank you again for being a guest. Everybody go out there and please make this your best life. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.